Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Caroline Wilson. Caroline is the owner and principal consultant at Vario Research, as well as the founder and owner at Hoodie Choo Choo. Vario Research is a research and strategy consultant firm that works with marketers, innovators, and entrepreneurs to make better, faster, and more innovative decisions using customer research and data. And Hoodie Choo Choo is the only chewable teether that attaches to your hoodie string for moms, dads, and babies, as well as big kids who chew for sensory needs. In today's conversation, Caroline joins me to get real and honest about growing a team within her business and even having to reduce that team when the time was right. So let's jump in and talk about how she manages the team and what's on the horizon for her two businesses as she grows them to success. Hello, Caroline. Thank you so much for joining us on the Growing Your Team podcast. Thanks for having me. Can you start us off with telling us about yourself? Yeah, of course. Um, so uh, I have I run two businesses. I have a business called Virio Research, and we are research and data strategists. So we work typically with um, medium to large companies. I would say for the most part, with the odds, nonprofit entrepreneur thrown in there. Um, and for that work, it's it's your, you know, research consulting. So taking through people, you know, what's your business challenge? What is it you need to make a decision about? Um, And then I go out and come up with methodologies that let companies find that data. So that, that data might come from a really large survey with a luxury consumer, for example, or it could be a small workshop and strategy session with a small group of donors at a local nonprofit. Um, so that, that business has been around since 2009. Uh, it's weird to think that I started it during the last recession. <laughs> so it's sort of like, oh, we were coming full circle. Let's see how this one rides out. Um, handily in, um, for my business and for the research business anyway, when people have to make decisions, um, they become more weighted when budgets are tighter. And so research it changes, but it tends to kind of carry on. Um, and then the other business that I have is a kids product uh, business, a kids and parents, and it is Hoodie Choo Choo. And Hoodie Choo Choo is a, it's a simple little teether that goes on your hoodie string. So if you are a mom like me who sat around, and I know your listeners can't see this, but I'm showing it to you so you can see what it looks like. So it's, it's just a simple little teether that if, again, if you're a mom like me that you sat around in leggings 
and you wanted something on your hip. My kid just chewed on my hoodie string all the time. And I was like, this, maybe this is an idea that I could, I could play with. And um, as I went on to develop that idea, uh, I realized that there's, um, so kids on the spectrum, kids with um, ADHD, they chew a lot for sensory needs. And so I have two target audiences. I have parents with babies and also, you know, want to hang out and have that baby bonding time for moms and dads. And then also kids who concentrate or chew to concentrate, chew to focus, um, that, that group. Right. So those are two very different businesses. How do you manage it all? Um, yeah, I would say right now, like barely, uh, <laughs> like it's, um, and that, that's really, you know, I guess what, what started the conversation with you and how we met initially was like, I, I, um, again with re research, like I, I, I've been doing that for so long now on my own. And then before that with, um, working for different agencies and larger companies. So that's all you know, I just kind of know what to do, right? Like when someone talks about something, a challenge, or I'm like, oh, that that's kind of like this other time, right? And you just know, right? After 20 years, right. it's kind of second nature. Um, and also I'm, I'm more also kind of relating to your area. I'm, I understand the tasks, like the, the clarity around what I need to do when someone's describing a situation to me is just, it's obvious. Right. And so with Hoodie Choo Choo, a, a product business, um, I, I, it's been a, hard for me to start to outsource stuff because I don't even understand the task myself. Like what am I, I can, I understand at a high level what, what the, like what the strategy is, but drilling that down into like a job description or a task, like that's, that's been the big challenge for me um really over the past year so it's it's hoodie juju's been around for a year only last july so a year and a couple of months yeah so you're still figuring it all out and you know understanding that there's some areas that you're great at and other things that you're not so great at in your business right and um that's there's that can be something that's hard to live like for my personality anyway i'm not i'm not like great at not being good at stuff, right? Like it, I don't like that feeling sits with me in a really uncomfortable way. And uh, I wish um, I'm, I'm learning to get to be okay with that. Right. I think that that, um, and understanding that it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a personality flaw because you don't know how to, to do something. And um, I think that, really the past year and a year and a bit with Hoodie Choo Choo. I mean, it's been two years and kind of the product being developed and stuff, you know, there's things I've realized like, oh, I am really good at this. Um, and then there's other, other jobs that I've untangled the task and figured out what it is. I'm like, oh no, I'm never going to be good at that. That's, right. that's going off to someone else. And um, so as those things become more and more obvious, I'm starting to have this job description come into my head now or right. on paper, but yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point that you bring up is like, there's things that we're not good at, but we also have the struggle because we're not good at it. And especially a lot of people that are starting businesses, 
we're high achievers by nature. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't go through the rigmarole of starting a business and everything that goes into it. So yeah. there's always that constant struggle of why can't I just do this myself? Why don't I have the knowledge to do it myself? I'll just learn how to do it. And having to then step back and say, no, there's some things that are just not worth my time to learn and perfect. I need to hire the expert to do it. Yes, yes, for sure. And um, what I, I will say, I've, as, I've, as you're able to compartmentalize tasks and understand where they fit in a larger picture, it, it does make that easier. Like I think, you know, this time last year, I was about to go into, unbeknownst to myself at the time, about two months of like an Amazon hellscape. It was so awful. And I, I, a lot of it was my own like naivety around um, what's involved in, in launching a product on Amazon. Right. Um, it's, it's not easy if anyone's thinking about doing it. I'm not, I'm not saying don't do it, but um, I needed to get professional, uh, like technical help. Right. Right from the beginning. And um, I just, I rolled with that too long. Like I thought I'd kind of set it up and then it wasn't working. And then because I didn't understand it, I didn't know what to do. And Amazon is not easy to talk to. Um, you know, it doesn't even, even getting technical help was someone like, oh, hey, here, this is where you go in this buried eight pages deep, this tiny font. If you click on that, you'll be able to get someone to call you. I'm like, that would be so awesome to just have a button that said, hey, you could call me. Right. But, um, but right, you know, I, I'm, what do I know? I'm not Jeff Bezos, right? But um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, but anyway, um, yeah. And that, I feel like that experience, although was really bad at the time, I, I learned a lot from it. And there's no way if something like that were to happen now, I would spend six to eight weeks trying to unravel it. Um, I, I just wouldn't like, and I, it, I, even if it was a financial issue, I would, I wouldn't operate in the same way. Right. And some of it you have to think about is you can either spend your time or you can spend your money. And when mm -hmm. you spend your time, you're not earning money during that because you could be doing other things that generate revenue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. And, um, I, I, I'm so aware of that now, um, even with, you know, like a product business, like, you know, sure. Some products make money right out the gate, but, and that's, and I think those are the products that we hear about, right. Cause everyone likes those like overnight success stories. Um, and that's not the, that's not the reality for most people starting any business, but a product business in particular, because right. you have a lot of costs that, you know, the setup costs and the marketing and your branding and all, all those things, it takes time to, to pay off, pay off all that. Right. And to recoup those costs. Um, and so even though you, you have sales, which you can be, you know, yes, sales are validating and they're great, but it, it's more complicated than that. Right. And then, you know, you've got different margins on one side, different margins on this other channel. And so I, really getting a sense of that and, you know, even, 
even when you're like, ah, but if I just, if I don't spend this, then I'll make this to your point, you know, there's that, that idea that you're saving money or it feels like you're being efficient or, or I should know this, right? Like if I want to run this business, I need to know this. It's like, no, you don't. Right. As I like to tell people a lot of times, it's like, you need to know like the overview, you know what you expect, know what it means to do something right. You don't need to get down and dirty in the details of knowing how to do it yourself with everything in your business. Right. That, um, that is, that's a really, that's a really good point. And I, so what resonated with me with what you just said was you need to know what to expect. Um, so that's been a big learning for me is, um, in terms of my process of thinking about stuff is getting clarity in my own head of what my expectation at the end is. And that helps me drill down and explain a task or a role or a, you know, even sometimes I, I can be talking about a, you know, a Facebook post or, um, or, or a blog post. I, if I'm, if I want to outsource something like that, providing, having clarity in your own head around the expectation and then explaining that to someone else is a really good process for teasing out any of the, I guess like, like miscommunications that can happen, you know, when you're passing a job on, if you will. Right. Yeah. You always have to know what you want. You can't just say, do this. You have to be very clear about, okay, what does it mean to do it right? But then also understand that you might not explain things right the first time. So going back and resetting expectations and talking about, okay, I know I said this, you did that, but what I actually meant was this. Yes, right. And I, I think like that's, that can sometimes, again, like that's the complexity of, of starting to outsource things, right? Is um, realizing that you have to build in time for that. So we, because, you know, you think, okay, right. Well, all of this stuff, I need all of the social media scheduled and it needs to be scheduled by, you know, the first of the month. Well, that means you need to start thinking about that like a good few weeks before, like a week isn't enough and probably two or three weeks isn't enough, you know, because again, for me, because I'm switching between these small marketing tactics of a, of hoodie choo choo to broad big picture strategy work based on data that are, you know, like that's a, that's a 60 hour job over two weeks. So balancing my own time to provide feedback to someone, like if I only have a week and that week, someone shifts a report or something, my week is, is dedicated to that report. Like client, my clients, it's very difficult to get a client to wait two or three weeks for a report. And, um, I, I'd love, I'd love that, but there's a standard in the industry that really sits between one and two weeks. And so if that happens where I'm, my time is dedicated to this one task, but, and I'm the blockage because someone's waiting for feedback, like just knowing how much time I have to build into just getting that description and, building time for me to understand that like I may have told them something I shouldn't have told them or like, Oh, I misunderstood that. Or, Oh, that's not exactly the picture I meant. You know, these small details that, that just, they, and they build up. Right. Right. Yeah. No, they definitely do. 
Yeah. So it's those, those things that sometimes you don't realize what you need to tell somebody until what they provide isn't right. And then it's like, right. yeah, right. then you realize, oh, not everybody thinks the same way I do. You're not right. in my head. <laughs> That's yeah. So I have a question going back to, okay, you got, you, re- you had this one business that was really involved around research. You started the second business. Yeah. It was product-based, yeah. but in order to really develop that product, I'm sure you had to do a lot of research in order to figure out what should this be made of? How should you market it? Like everything like to make it sure that it was hitting your target market right. Mm-hmm. Did you ever find that you were in a spot where you were just in that continual of, I have more research to do, and it was holding you back on actually getting your product out? Um. So I, it's, it's funny you say that because I, I was very conscious that I could get stuck in that cycle. Yeah. Um, because even now I'm able to kind of look back and go, oh, I, I could have done it this way or I should have, I, that would have been an interesting to question to ask or, um, you know, and, and as the business, to be fair, like as the business builds out, like once you have the research is it's sort of easier to find opportunities for research once a business is rolling. So now that it's rolling, I'm kind of excited about being my own client in, in those ways. Cause I'm like, Oh, I think I'm going to post a survey here. And like, like, Oh, I think this question would be really cool to ask. So I'm like, and there's sort of this crossover part of me now where I'm like, Oh, I have this really unique view now because of my my kind of career and consulting background combined with now applying it to this small product. Um, But back to your, your question, I deliberately pushed myself because I, um, I didn't, I didn't want to be sitting around on the idea for like three years. I just, I wanted it out. And so I did what I would consider, um, the standard research processes in that I ran a quantitative survey to get some numbers so that I could have purchase intent and um, some big numbers around um, some of them that I wanted to use for marketing, admittedly, like I live in hoodies all the time, you know, those kind of, like I have a sense of like, if I didn't laugh about my kids, I'd cry. Like those kind of things. Right? <laughs> I was like 98 parents, of parents agree. Um, so Um, And then I moved that into qualitative focus groups. So I, and then I, I had also done a lot of like what most people would spend time on, which is secondary research. So looking at different products in the market and um, I I just wanted to position ours uniquely um, for obvious reasons, but also some personal reasons around the brand that I wanted to build uh, Mm -hmm. because I, I, I think that, I mean, I have blog posts in the work about like how it's like Instagram is ruining your kid's playroom. Like everything is like, so like perfectly curated and like, we've all got that like stupid grim rainbow. Like I have one too. So I'm like, not, you know, I'm mocking, like it's beautiful. Right. But my kids touch it and I'm like, put it back. (laughs) Don't stand on it. You're going to snap it. It's like, it's mommy's toy. Um, it's not, it's not really, but I think there's a lot of toys like that in, in, homes now and anyway I I imagined like a more fun brand a more like a more dad friendly brand as well to be honest like I 
I think there's a lot of inherent sexism around kids' products. And if it's not targeted to a kid, it's targeted to the, to the mom. And right. while I, yes, like I, I know the numbers, like I accept that, like moms make more purchases for their families, whatever, but like that's inherently sexist. So like it, it's, I, I guess there was a part of me that wanted to, again, personality wise, like, I knew what I wanted the brand to look like based on what everyone else's brands look like. Like this is right. not a neutral brand. This is a brightly colored um, kind of not, I, I still struggle with the word because maybe rebellious isn't, isn't exactly the word I mean, but um, I just didn't, I just didn't want it to look like all those kind of thoughtful Instagram brands that I love those too. No disrespect, but um, Oh, hello. Um, <laughs> and, um, so I, I was kind of, I, I balanced that. And so, you know, I had this, this is what it should look like based on what everyone else is doing. These are my quantitative numbers. These are the qualitative feelings that people have about the product. You know, I had people describe how they would gift it. Like I, I have that understanding. Right. And then I was like, you, I gotta go because the thing that made me most nervous was that in two years. Um, silicone products are very popular. Chewing products are very popular. There are a million right. teethers. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm unique and sales are good. So, you know, I feel, I feel like things are validated. Um, but I gotta go. I have to, I, I have to go fast. Right. Right. So yeah. I was worried that I would all of a sudden see this my like little product idea up with a, a bigger brand. And I was just like, I, I can't compete with that budget. Right. Or that the distribution that those networks, those people already have. Yeah. And I think it's just talking about the product for like a few minutes. It's such a great idea in a way, because the fact like, like you're talking about it, most of the stuff out there is geared towards moms. Like I know when when my kids were little, it was like the teething necklaces. Well, my husband's not going to go put on a teething necklace. Like he's never going to do that. Yeah. But now of course we live in Florida. So my husband is almost never in a hoodie unless right. we're traveling <laughs> up North, yeah. but I could totally see so that is something that I could have got him and like, you're not going to wear a teething necklace like here, you yeah. know, wear this. And it totally would have, would have worked, especially because he was and still is like such an evolved parent. And I know like I had myself on a mute for a little bit there. So what you guys can't see is my little one just came home from preschool because my husband went to go pick her up and popped in to say hello real quick as I'm in the middle of recording because that's life. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, so like there's so many dads now that are so involved and to have a product that that allows them to have that same connection and everything with the child that, that products have been around for now years for moms to do. So it's great. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. And that was one of the, you know, you know, when you start thinking about your business, like whatever business it, it, it is like whatever that idea is, whether it's a product or, you know, your service or whatever, like, you know what it's like when you start to think like, could I do this? Like, yeah, of course I could. Like I have the skills to do this. I, and then you start thinking about what, what you like about it. And like, the you know in from a technical or like marketing standpoint the, you know those that's your positioning right and right. so for for me i was like where you know where does this go and it was a a friend who um said 
uh, you know, I feel like this could be really big with dads. And I'm like, oh yeah. And um, I should give her a shout out. Heather Burns, two and 10. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> she's, um, I, I am lucky that I will say that actually. And that kind of speaks to scaling your team is um, having a, um, that sort of informal advisory board is, is a really great way to, to get that, those early stage ideas off the ground. And like, I'm, I'm, I feel lucky. Like I have a lot of smart friends and a lot of them work in the marketing space. So um, I was able to get that. I, I felt like I had a team, a loose team, but I had people that I could ask a question to, or what do you think about this? And um, that, that was kind of my first, those were the very first, you know, team members, if you will, that Hoodie Choo Choo had, right? It was just having that strong advisory people. And um, yeah. Yeah. And that's such a great way to look at it is before you needed to actually go and hire someone, you still had a need with your company that needed to be addressed with other people. So you yeah. found a way to get the support, get the other opinions and everything that you needed without having to go and hire a team yet, because that's not the type of people that you needed. So it's just those right. different ways to look at growing a team. Like who do you need in your court that's going to help you? Right. And that's, um, that's it, you know, cause like, who do you hire to ask like a random marketing question to like you, you know, you, you don't, right. I mean, of course you can, but like, right. it's, not, it's not practical, right? Like, you know, what do you do? You go on Upwork and be like, I have a question. Like, it's not, you know, it's more free flowing than that. Right. And even just having a conversation with someone like yourself, you know, you, you sometimes don't even know any, any really, like I, I kind of know this from research consulting as well. Like sometimes having a conversation with someone can be as illuminating or at least partially as illuminating as running, you know, designing the questionnaire or running the survey, right? Because you're isolating, having another person, you kind of isolate the question. Cause sometimes you're like, I don't even know what I'm asking. Like, but there's this, I have this feeling and I was thinking I was going with these colors and I, I think I want these colors because, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they say something which makes you think of something which makes them think of something. And then you're like, oh, okay. I, I now I know what my question was and you answered it. So thanks. Let's move right. on. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause often you're too close to it. Like you think of things the way that, that you envision the product, like, or that you're with you being having that tangible product or anything and to have those outside opinions and views, even like sometimes they talk about with the market research of what words do people use that are going to be different than what words you use. Right. And you can, and you know, on that, on that side, like you can, you can spend a really long, one of the biggest parts of my job when I'm crafting, um, you know, like designing for a methodology. So maybe that's a questionnaire or it's a discussion guide for a focus group. One of my biggest jobs is considering all of the language and, you know, the list, you know, you, you know, if you've written a survey, right. And you've got your question and then you start writing the list out and you're like, do I have everything on here? And wait, that's, no, that's two items. That should be that that's two items in one. Those items need to be separated. You can spend a long time doing that, but all of that, teasing out all of those ideas and all of those thoughts are really valuable 
to just understanding your business and understanding the challenge that you're up against. Right. Yep. Yeah, no, exactly. So let's talk a little bit more about the teams that you've had with your business. So when you've grown first this market research business and now your product business, how have your teams involved over the years? Right. So, so Vireo, um, when I very, again, first started, like it was, it was me and, um, I, but within the first year, I'd actually had a, a serendipitous meeting. I was, I was, I was on a, a board and I had gone to, um, a, like a, is like a student volunteer fair, um, just as, you know, one of the volunteers and board members and, uh, a lady came up to me and, um, we were just chatting and she said, um, you know, my, my daughter is at home right now. She, um, I think she didn't have a job at the time, but she was like, she's a psychology. She's just about to graduate psychology next year. And, you know, it's like, Oh, I was like, maybe I should give her a call. And, um, partly because, um, you know, the lady was nice. And I was like thinking about like, what do, who do I want to, I'm probably going to need someone at some point, maybe this could work. And, um, but also I find, um, psychology grads are, are great at market research for uh, some obvious reasons, which is obviously their understanding of human behavior, but also because I find psychology tends to, and you know, people can obviously argue this with me, but I find it tends to draw arty science types, which is a really sort of the person that I am. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm a creative thinker and I think in concepts and I enjoy abstract thought and my brain really enjoys that, that kind of exercise, but I'm also really analytical and um, can be detail oriented for the, for the right reasons. I say that because if my bookkeepers list was to listen to this, she would be like, I disagree, but um, <laughs> sorry, Erica, I'm trying. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, the, um, so um, I met, I ended up meeting Emily. And so Emily started with me while she was a student and really grew into the position so that when she finished university, a year and a half later, I was able to offer her a full-time position. So that was my first hire. Um, after that, I then, um, I was really struggling with the workload and um, I, I, we got really busy, like crazy busy around about like year two or three, I would say. Um, it was intense, man. Like I still think about it now. And I was like, I don't know how that, I mean, I still wonder that now. Actually, I mean, looking back on the past six months, I'm like, I don't know how I managed to get anything done, these kids around and all that stuff. But it was another one of those really intense time periods. And um, I also hired a coach at that time. I should say that. So, and the first time I talked to her, I just like cried. Cause I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get all this work done. And like, um, Anyways, and she still wanted to work with me, so yay. But um, <laughs> she, um, um, but so there was Emily. I I then brought in a coach, and after that, I brought in a partner. So then there was at this point a partner, and my partner and I were both working with the coach. She was kind of helping us, you know, figure out teams, and and her background was HR actually. So okay. she had a fairly the coach wise, she'd had a fairly, um, 
like a really interesting corporate career actually. And now she was doing, um, you know, coach, but I, again, I find like HR people to just be very illuminating around tasks and manage, you know, like they just got that right fit that I just, I understand they're, there's something about the way they approach problems that, that really makes sense to me. And so I'm able to respond well to that background, I guess. Um, like more so than like, you know, you know, cause there's coaches with a finance background, like right. that's it for me. Like, so um, anyway, then after that we had, then we had another part-time person. Um, then my partner left after about a year and a half, it was not, just wasn't working for a few reasons. Um, and then I maybe like two or three months after that, I got pregnant. And so, which was intentional. It wasn't, it was like, you know, yay. And so it was also like, yay, but like, what am I going to do with my business? I don't have a partner. I like, am I going to keep running this? Like, and um, so I ultimately scaled the business down um, so that I, um, I let Emily, obviously Emily knew at this point, cause I'm like, getting fat in a very specific place. So I should probably tell you something <laughs> like, it's like oh, it's just awkward. And so, um, uh, I let her, we basically, we had, I mean, and that was again, like a really busy summer. That was the summer before I had my first, first daughter, like Emily. Um, at that point, actually, Emily had also moved to Costa Rica. Cause she'd said, I'm thinking about going and living somewhere else. And I'm like, that would be cool. Can you still work for me? And she was like, yes. And I'm like, great. So there you go. So she was in Costa Rica. We were landing massive projects. She was flying. Now clients don't care where she's coming from. Like if we are traveling to Vancouver, it doesn't matter to them where she flies in from. So she'd be right. flying from Costa Rica. I'd be flying in from Toronto. Um, so that was another big summer. And then the, the business wound down. So although I like we never, I never kind of shut up shop or anything like that. I just stopped looking for work really. And, um, you know, once you're, you know, when you're not at conferences anymore, you're not actively, I wasn't actively mailing my database. I wasn't like, I just kind of drifted away, let it drift. And, um, with the intention of building it back up, you know, after my daughter was born and seeing how that would, progress. Um, but I, I kind of surprised myself in terms of like the amount of time I took where I was really just taking work that came to me. Um, and then partly, um, my dad passed away just before my daughter was born, which is like the most massive bummer. Like, you're just like, this was not, this was like the worst timing that you could have. Right. And, um, so I think that was like kind of partly to do with it. Although I maybe wasn't super self-aware at the time. Like I was just like, I just need to concentrate on my baby. And I think a lot of it was like, I just need to concentrate on like one thing. Like I can't look after a baby. I don't know. And, and again, like talk about stuff that you don't know what you're doing. Like, I don't know how to look after a baby. Like who lets you take these things home from the hospital when you're completely unqualified. And, um, but you know, you both figure it, you figure it out. And, but you know, also like, you know, it's it grieving, but I also not really realizing that. And then, um, you know, you sort of have this shift in your own head, right. About like, who do you want to, what, what kind of parent do you want to be? Right. And um, when I was like, oh, like, I definitely want to 
pick my kid up from daycare. I definitely, or me or my husband, right? Like not necessarily me, but like, I guess we were like, we, we, we don't want a nanny. We don't want, I'm not really looking for someone to be here all the time. Like I want to do that. And um, so then that kind of changes the, the work. I like, I, I don't, I didn't want to go away for like two or three weeks anymore. Right. Like I didn't want to travel during the week and come home on the weekends. Like it was fine when it was just me and my husband, but it, m- Partly I didn't want to because I didn't, you know, sure, I wanted to spend time with my kid, but it also seemed really stressful to me. Like the amount of organizing that it would take to be gone for a week just felt like intense. And um, so, yeah, so that was really when when Vireo, and now Vireo is, is like back. I wouldn't say I'm working exact, I wouldn't say I'm working as much as I was like pre-kids, but at least 75% of that, right? And so it's projects, right? So it's busy, busy, busy. Sometimes there's a week downtime before something else starts. Sometimes it's like two or three overlapping, you know? Right. Um, and then, but then it was with my second kid who was the hoodie string chewer and now, and still is like, she's like three. And if you're wearing a hoodie, she'll like grab your hoodie string. So it's like, um, so, and it was, but that, that was partly the impetus was like, I have this little idea. I'm, and you know, like, I'm not, I say this without trying to demean what I'm doing. Like, I'm not trying to change the world. Like it's a tiny little, it's a, it's a silicone teaser. Like I just thought it was a fun idea that I could market and sell. Um, and I think again, you know, people talk about like, you know, the passion that entrepreneurs need to have, like, I can't tell you I'm, I, I couldn't tell you I'm like, oh my God, I'm so passionate about teethers. Like it's a teether. Like I'm, I'm passionate about having ideas and taking them to market. Like I'm passionate about learning what it takes to build a product business. Like I'm passionate about the work that I have to do around it. Um, which leads me to kind of love the little idea. Right. Um, but now, you know, as you're talking about like, you know, yes, so there was one team that built up and, and then kind of shrank down. And now I'm at the point where I really have to, to build both up. Um, I would be really busy anyway, but I have had six months of, you know, like everyone, like the kids are home, like right. no daycare. There was, you know, I mean, there were some daycare options here, but pretty, pretty limited. Um, you know, some camps were running, but they just, it didn't feel super safe to me. Like everyone's got to make their own choices around that. And so, you know, they've, they've been here and I can work from home. My husband can't. So again, like, what do you, you know, what are you going to do? Like he quits his job so that like, I can sit in my, like, it doesn't make sense. Right. Like it's, you got to kind of do what makes sense for your family. So I've been, you know, my hours have been like, okay, I'll do a call here. And I throw like 400 snacks at my kids and like put on a movie and hope that they won't interrupt. And of course they do like three minutes in, we're like, Nora threw the popcorn on the floor. I'm like, (laughs) I appreciate the information. I will not be dealing with that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Great. And so, you know, now I'm like, now I'm having to catch up on, stuff that should have been done, but was not a priority. Um, you know, certain administrative tasks, the 
books, things like that. Um, but I mean, in terms of growing the team, like I, I have been doing, I, that was like, I had a bookkeeper and then um, she actually stopped doing bookkeeping, bookkeeping this year, just last, sorry, just last year. And so I hadn't found a replacement person. And then it was March and now we're all at home. And I'm like, wait, I think, what, am I doing this now? Is this what happens? Like, my, maybe, cause I don't know. So <laughs> about all the years to get stuck with doing my books, this is the year I got stuck with them. And, um, but now I'm realizing like, okay, you got to get that unstuck. Like I can't be doing that. I'm not good at that. So right. that's my first job is to like get that yeah. off my plate. And I'd say that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before of you could spend your time or you could spend your money. And sometimes it's 100% worth spending your money to save the time yourself. Uh, yes. Right. Yes. Yes. That's, that's the first thing. So there'll be a book. Yeah. Bookkeeper is imminent. Um, and then I, I really want to see if I can repeat the success of, um, you know, Emily really she's no, she, she like feels famous, but, um, <laughs> you know, it just, it was such a nice jive, like in terms of her skill set, but also the fact that like her stage and my stage. So right now I'm like, I, I want to find like a, maybe, and maybe this time, you know, it's not a psychology grad. Maybe I want like a, more of a marketing grad who can fit with hoodie choo choo a little bit better. Um, but someone who I can create a part-time role for right now, knowing that if I can outsource, sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> knowing if I can outsource and some of these, like, yes, it's social media. It's, it's kind of the technical stuff, technical pieces around driving traffic to my website. Right. So, you know, I have ideas for blog posts and I know the tone and, you know, we were talking about earlier, like I know what the expectation should be um, and what they need to do. But, you know, sitting down, it takes me two or three hours to write a blog post and um, which I think is the appropriate amount of time. Like I don't, sure. If I'm doing like, you know, know, something like sometimes, you know, you do a lighter blog post, like here's like top five, whatever's, you know, you can can bang that out, but it's still like, you still got to find the pictures. You still have to, you know, everything takes time. Right. And um, so it having, anyway, trying to figure out like, what does that role look like um, over the, really, it's sort of a priority of mine over the next next couple of weeks and see, you know, who, who can I find? And um, the nice thing being that I, I feel like I can cast the net pretty wide. Everyone's so comfortable with virtual working. Like, I, I'd love it to be a person I could meet in person with every so often um, because I, I do recognize the accountability of meeting in person, you know, and sometimes just being able to like share a moment together, like in, in purses. And it's important to kind of the the clarity of the task or even just maybe transmitting the culture of what you're trying to build. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I, anyway, I'm, I'm on that and that's my, is good timing to talk today really because it's sort of put it again at the forefront of my mind like it's like everything is urgent right now really I mean I'm heading into Q4 like it's going to be like a massive online shopping season 
I don't, I don't really have time to mess around. And, um, and so, you know, to your point, like I can spend time or money, but I'm, um, I'm out of time right now. Right. So, Yeah. And when you run out of time, the best thing you can do is use your money to buy more time <laughs> right. by hiring a team. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So we are getting close to the end, but I do have one more question about your team that I want to dig into. With running two businesses, when you envision your future team, do you envision team members that will help you with both or do you plan on keeping them separate? So the, the, this hire that I want to make, whoever that is, I think has to float, float between the two of them. Um, and in the future, I'm, I don't, I want to, so there's another person that I want to talk to at some point, whoever that is. And that's probably more of a career coach type person. Um, around, and this is where I'm going with this is that I, as I, it was, I'll back it up a little bit. I think when you're an entrepreneur, we don't always think about the trajectory of our career, right? Like what, how do you evolve as a person? What are the skills that you're gaining? Right. Because it's almost like, you know, that's for someone who has a, has a job. You're you, that trajectory comes from the experiences you have and the people you meet and the courses your class, your boss will pay for like those, those kind of those learnings. Right. And from mentors within your organization. So when you're an entrepreneur, it's easy to just, you know, you, you kind of get pulled, right? You know, oh, well, I'm, I learned about this category because I worked on this business. And so there's a, I want to know what my business could look like in the future if it becomes a hybrid of Vireo and Hoodie Choo Choo. And Hoodie, Hoodie Choo Choo is actually like, it's a, it's a product, but I've incorporated under Bright Tree Kids. And so there's, there's other products that I want to work on. Um, but I'm, I'm aware that I am a, I love new stuff. And so I'm not allowing my brain to go there right now. Like this right. is pretty juju needs to be established. Focus on that. And so, um, my point is, is that there's a future business. I don't know what it is yet, but it's, it, it, there has for my own trajectory, as my skills become more and more unique around understanding what it takes to run an e-commerce brand, understanding how all of those pieces fit, combining with um, broad research strategy experience, there's something interesting there. Um, I just don't know what it is yet. And so the person I next hire to answer your question will, will have to work on both because I, I don't, I can't, I don't have the energy to like deal with one person for Vireo and one person, person for Hoodie Choo Choo and someone with the right, right experience will be able to shift back and forth. Um, and in the future, really who, who comes on and who I hire is really going to depend on where I take this hybrid of me, which is ultimately my business. Yeah. And I like that. And I like everything that you shared about how you were growing this business, but you weren't afraid to change it based on how your life was changing. Or like now you have this, you have kind of like the two separate businesses because that's, that's what's important to you right now. And that you're shifting things, you're getting the support and help you need that fit what you need then. 
And I feel like that's so important is when we grow our teams, we don't have to be stuck with the team that we grew if our business changes, if our needs changes. Like, yes, there's people on the other side of those jobs. And, but at the same time, we need to make the decisions that are right for us and right for our business. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it didn't, it didn't, it, it wasn't, I mean, at the time it was so complicated, right? Cause it's like, oh, I'm having a baby and uh, you know, but, um, and so let's have an awesome summer and uh, I'll see you in Vancouver in two weeks. Um, but then, uh, you know, around right about October time, I'm going to be doing baby stuff. So okay. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So as we wrap up today, how can people get in touch with you? Oh, so through my website, uh, Virio Research is virioresearch.com and uh, Virio is a bird. So it's a V-I-R-E-O research.com. And if you uh, wanted to check out my product, we're hoodiechoochoo.com. So that's H-O-O-D-I-E, uh, chew is in chewing. Um, C-H-E-W-C-H-E-W. And uh, you can reach out to me through um, both of those websites. Awesome. I will definitely share all those links in the show notes so people can easily find you. All right. And our last question for today, we have all had leaders or managers that stood out to us. Think of the most impactful leader or manager you have had. And can you share with us one thing that made them stand out as a great leader to you? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's an, it's actually, a a fairly easy question for me because I had one boss who, um, I don't know if she would know this, but she was easily my, my best boss. Um, and so, um, should I say her name or is it? Yeah, if you want, uh, you yeah. can. So, um, her name is Ru Ruth Corbin and she's, she's pretty well known in the market research industry, certainly in Canada. And, um, at, at the time she was just the best boss for, my personality and my stage of career. I was at that point when I started working with her, I, I didn't have the experience I wanted yet, but I was so hungry to get it. And she was working, you know, she had a small boutique agency um, working in intellectual property research. So we had, we had some super fancy clients, like, you know, big law firms and, like I couldn't believe at the time, I think it was like 27 or 28. And I was going into these like huge boardrooms with like these super senior people. And she just took me everywhere. Like she was like, you come to that meeting. Oh, I can't go to that meeting. You go to that meeting. And um, she just put me out there, man. And um, I, I really appreciated that because I, there's a, there's a point when you just need to do it and your boss needs to let you do it. Right. And, um, and so she just put me out there, but I can tell you specifically that, um, so one time we had a client call and, um, she yelled at me, uh, in a very unkind way for something that was not my fault at all. Um, and I was pretty sad about it because like I was young and not used to being yelled at really. Well, you know, not like that anyway. And, um, she, um, and she actually called the client back and fired them the next day. And she was just like, it's not a good fit for us. And, um, and you know, also like you can't yell at my staff, <laughs> like, you know, she's a young person. She, she is not, nothing she says is to upset you or ir irritate you. Her only mission is to do a good job here. Like if you met her, you would know that. Like, and so this, this just isn't a good fit for us. So thanks. Bye. And, um, you know, she said it more nicer than that, but, um, <laughs> uh, really like 
it's such just stayed with me for such a long time because you, you know, you think like I would fire a client who talked to me like that in a heartbeat these days. Like I wouldn't even think of it. Um, but there's plenty of bosses who would have told a junior person to just suck it up. And, um, and she, she had standards for how people treated her and standards for how people are people treated us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you bring up an interesting topic because uh, the pot, one of the podcast episodes that just recently came out when this goes live episode, I believe it's number 40. We actually talk about you know, what they, she refers to as the brilliant jerk. So people that are really, they could be great clients, great people within the business, great producers, but yeah. they're just not the funnest people to work with their work for. Hey. And what do you do with it? And yeah. how do you handle that? So yeah. So yeah, and I'll check being, it out. there you go. <laughs> yeah, and not being afraid to fire a client because when they don't don't mesh with your company values, your mission, you know, it's hire the clients and work with the clients that work well for your business, not just the ones that are going to pay you money. Right, and you, you know, the, the truth is, is that would we have been able to? I, I never really thought about it until you you said that, but you know, would we have been able to fulfill on that project? We we wouldn't have like. Mm-hmm it was already going wrong for whatever reason. Like people weren't happy, people weren't meshing. It wasn't going to be a good fit. You know, that I, the kind of sunk cost fallacy, like, well, we're already in it. We already have the project. It's like, no, this is never like, this lady is yelling at junior people on the phone. This project is not going to get better. And we're not even in field, you know? So like, I think part of it is, yeah, it was emotional for me because, for sure she stood up for me when she could have just taken the lady's money. Um, but there's a practical sense of like, would we ever have successfully fulfilled that project? Probably yeah, not. Probably not. Well, that brings us to the end. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was such a pleasure talking with you today and hearing so much about your business or I should say businesses. Are you ready to build the team you need to grow your business and want to do it without it requiring all your time? Then I invite you to join the Growing Your Team membership. Let's face it, as a small business owner, you're running a million miles an hour in your business, doing all the tasks and most likely overwhelmed by all the work. You need help, but you're not quite sure where to even start. You know you need to hire support or even a whole team if you want to keep growing your business, but relying on Google for info on how to write job descriptions, find qualified candidates, delegate with ease, or manage your team successfully just isn't cutting it. Why can't you just figure this out on your own? Because hiring and managing a team is hard. They are big projects, big activities that require plans and accountability to happen well. However, Imagine what goals you could achieve, clients and customers you could serve, and the revenue growth that could happen with the right people surrounding you in your business. That is exactly why I created the Growing Your Team membership. It's an on-demand training membership and community designed to give you the knowledge and support to hire and manage your team successfully without doing it alone or having to hire an entire agency or recruiting team to do the work for you. If you are ready to build the best team ever in order to grow your business to even greater success, if you're ready to do 
this alongside other inspiring and motivated entrepreneurs. If you're ready to dig in and be supported every step of the way, then we're looking forward to seeing you inside. Head on over to growingyourteam.com slash membership to learn more. Come join us in the Growing Your Team membership. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.